Five straight wins for the Phoenix Suns after a five-point win in Sacramento on Monday night. And on today's episode of Locked on Suns, we'll talk about how last season's clutch kings, the Phoenix Suns, got the job done in an uglier way, but a just as effective way in this W. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen after a big Monday night win in Sacramento. A quick one-game road trip for the Suns. They're coming out with a win. Five straight for them. And honestly, a ton of fun games in a row here. So thank you for listening. If you're finding us for the first time, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are finding us on. The best way to support the show is just to listen and the best way to listen is to follow and subscribe. So hit that button wherever you are. And if you are on YouTube, go ahead and hit the bell down below as well. Get a notification when the show goes live and drop a comment with your take on this win by the Phoenix Suns. 122 to 117 is the final score. A lot of fun stuff to dive into on the show today. Uh, Let's start as we always do with the moment of the game. Now, sometimes this is a run. Sometimes in the case of the Lakers game last week, it is a ejection. Uh, In this case, it was a foul followed by a substitution. And you probably know where I'm going already. Let's go all the way to the fourth quarter, midway through at the six minute and 14 second mark. Campaign, who had been in foul trouble all night. He had uh, five fouls total in the game. He gets his fifth foul at that moment. Six minutes, 14 seconds left in the game. Suns are up 101. uh, They're down 101 to 102. Payne is kind of this breath of fresh air. Finally, they're getting Campaign back into the game. He had just checked in a moment before. And just like that, he's out. All right, so they basically get none of the fourth quarter with Booker and Payne in the game because right when Book checks in, Payne is out. But even even bigger than that, even worse than that, in terms of what, what we expected in that moment, the Suns have to ride Damian Lee even harder. He had just had a bad turnover about a minute and a half prior, two minutes prior, where he threw the ball over Mikhail Bridges' head. He was... Fine. Uh, He had hit his first three-pointer of the game in the fourth quarter just a few moments before, but overall he had not been a tremendously effective scorer. I think he was like two of five or something at this point right before uh, before hitting that three. And so Lee's not somebody who had been very impactful in the game. The bench overall was really struggling. And with all of that, Payne goes to the bench. But what happens? Lee checks back in. Basically, he got 41 seconds on the bench of game time. He had checked in at the two minute and one second mark of the third quarter. 
He got that 41 seconds, but other than that, he played the last 14 minutes and one second of this game. So it would have been understandable. Okay, he hasn't been that effective or impactful. He didn't get a rest, and now he's being thrust into a game, playing a little bit of a, of a different role too. Well, not role, but with a different lineup. They end up, the Suns end up closing because of all of this with Booker at the one, Lee at the two, and then uh, both Bridges and Craig, and then Aiton. So a very big lineup, and not one that's played a lot of minutes together. I'm not honestly sure that that, that, that lineup has played much of any minutes together. But what does Damian Lee do? He steps in, he scores eight quick points after that moment, and the eighth point of that, which was a, uh, a three-pointer, uh, I want to say at the four minute and 42 second mark gives the Suns a four point lead. They basically never, they never relinquish that lead. They, it gets a little too close for comfort at a couple of different moments. This, the Kings cut the lead to one at one point, then they cut it back to four at the very end. But that was the difference. Lee comes back in with all that weird stuff going on, the foul from pain. The Suns are down. Lee scores eight quick points. The Suns close the game out and they win it. And it speaks to the point I made at the very top of the show. They did not uh, look like the crunch time champion, amazing, blow your face off group that they were last year, right? They were one of the best crunch time, clutch time teams in the history of the league last season. And a lot of that was Chris Paul. A lot of that was playing with their food as well, allowing teams to get back into games. The Suns would go... Uh, into the fourth quarter, up a lot, and then the opponent would catch back up. But either way, it was awesome. We saw so many amazing moments in the clutch. Chris Paul just executing his butt off, Mikhail Bridges making difference, making defensive plays, and it didn't look like that tonight. You know, it was was Lee making shots. It was... uh, It was Torrey Craig with a key offensive rebound. It was... You know, these little Devin Booker getting fouled, you know, uh, a a coach's challenge that failed. Uh, Mikhail hit a very quick, no hesitation three from the left corner that felt like a no, no, yes type of shot. All right. And so, yes, they got the job done. They were outscored by two in the fourth quarter, but they make it work with that big lineup, that jumbo lineup with Payne on the bench. They just figured it out. And I think to me, obviously, Payne, you look at the box score, he was 2 of 10 from the field. Seven assists, but just not a very overall solid game from him. And so on the one hand, you could look at that and say, yeah, uh, obviously, Payne goes to the bench. He's a minus 10 in the box score tonight. Damian Lee plus 9. Well, of course, Lee stepping in is going to be the best thing for the team. But obviously, You don't expect a bench player to play 14 straight minutes. You don't expect to close with a lineup that doesn't have a lot of reps together. And you don't expect to have to get it done in such a tight way, especially on a night when Booker had 44. So that's emblematic of how the Suns have kind of taped and glued their way to a cohesive team while Chris Paul has been out, while Cam Johnson has been out, while Jay Crowder has remained away from the team. 
So that was the moment of the game. That foul from Payne. Lee switches in, and and it's and it's history. I want to get to my takeaway from this game, which has a lot to do with the other end of the floor going up against the number one defense in the NBA in the Sacramento Kings. First, I want to tell you all about the first sponsor of today's show, which is Turo, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. You can get, for instance, a spacious minivan or SUV for a family road trip, a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday, an affordable economy car for a budget or just to get a quick ride from point A to point B, or you can even go big, test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many two-row hosts can even deliver that car right to you to get that efficiency started. Every single trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. So forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. We talked about the moment of the game, campaign's fifth foul, Damian Lee checking in, the Suns just scratching and clawing their way to a clutch victory over the Kings, but I want to talk about a little more how we got to that point in this game, all right? Because a lot of it had to do with the Suns' defense. And as I said going into the break, this was the number one defense, I believe still, if I have that number right, heading into this game in the entire NBA, okay? So the idea that, no, they were the sixth-ranked offense heading into this game, their third over the past two weeks. The idea that the Kings would have been a tough cover was not a surprise, right? Nobody should be, nobody should really be surprised by that. But a few things jumped out, all right? So let's kind of take it almost chronologically. So to start the game, and just honestly from start to finish, Sabonis was the guiding light. He was one rebound away from a triple-double. He was, I saw somebody compare him, his transition the way that he just kind of becomes a battering ram when he grabs and goes in transition. And he is, somebody compared him to Magic Johnson, right? Okay, kind of ridiculous, I get that. But if you start to really watch, he is pretty unguardable in those situations because of how unselfish he is, because of the level his handle is at for a big man, and because of how strong he is, frankly, right? So you're you're not really able to stop him when he gets ahead of steam. You're probably going to, draw a a blocking foul or just get out of position. And so that was what really got all of this started. The Kings had 13 fast break points. They had an offensive rating of, let's see here, 113.3 in transition tonight, which was not incredible, but it definitely got worse over the course of the game. I'm sure if you checked that early on, you would have seen a better number. And I believe the Kings had 63 points in the paint, and I would imagine a lot of those came, 64, a lot of those came in transition would be my educated guess there. So then as the game goes along, the defensive challenges sort of changed, all right? So you had Malik Monk during the middle portion of this game, and honestly from the second quarter on, he played 30 minutes, so he was in there a lot. The Suns, I would say, had really no answer 
Mikhail Bridges, who I want to talk about a little bit more in a second. It didn't seem like the Suns were putting Mikhail on him all that much, which was interesting to me. Um, they're not always putting Mikhail on the best opposing perimeter player these days. Sometimes, especially when he's in there with bench units, you'll see Damian Lee doing that. And obviously there's cross-matching and different things. The Kings were running so much that you don't always get to set your defense and have the matchups all add up and stack up the way you want them to. But Malik Monk was 12 of 17 from the field, 30 points, 8 assists. And again, just really the Suns didn't have an answer. Whether he was driving to the basket for with the intent to score, whether he was driving and kicking, um, a few things cropped up. One... Just simple mistakes on the pick and roll defense. I think the Kings are really good about even when they're you know more in their half court offense, they're still doing it in a way where it's semi transition. Like John Morant's great at this, right? Like he's running a pick and roll, but it's it's you know it's 18 seconds left on the clock. He's yeah, Suns fans are are no strangers to it, right? It's seven seconds or less. Like we're gonna run things, we're gonna run sets, we're gonna get the ball moving, but we're just gonna do it before you have a chance to react. And I think the Kings are good about that. Monk was great about that tonight. And so some of it was just simple stuff, right? There was a play where Aiton kind of threw his arms up at Book at one point, and it wasn't even, I, I don't even necessarily know if it was a huge mistake on Book's part. He sort of shaded over to, to Monk as Monk drove baseline, and Aiton was sort of in like a, a, a drop coverage. And so he's kind of corralling Monk as Monk's getting downhill while Book is still trying to get back to Monk. And what ends up happening is just a easy dump off pass to Sabonis for a layup, right? So that's one example. I also think Monk and all, all of the Kings players, Sabonis does this, Fox does this. They run a lot of dribble handoff. They run a lot of, you know, sets to get their ball handlers coming downhill and for their off-ball shooters to get open, right? It's, it's nothing... Crazy, but when it's all happening at one time, when all the players on the floor are threats to shoot, dribble, and pass, it starts to be difficult to guard. And the Suns in particular have had issues defending switches all season long. I think it's a few things. We can Maybe it's a, a better uh, thing to break down in a bigger way in a later show, but they're not communicating as well as they have in the past. I think some of that could be attributed to who's on the floor, different lineup combinations, etc. I think they are not necessarily um, as disciplined as they've been in the past. I mean, I, I really do attribute a lot of it to the main guys on this team are doing a lot, especially in particular Bridges and Booker. And so those guys are often going to be the players who are Defending those secondary actions, those second, those weak side, you know, second side types of, you know, one pick and roll flows into another pick and roll, and you're having to rotate and communicate and everything. And a lot of the guys, a lot of the time, the guys are going to be in the middle of that are Bridges and Booker. They're playing a ton of minutes. They're doing a lot on offense. I get it, but it was a it was a weakness tonight. So you saw that to start start to creep up. Monk was the main driver of it, but I would say Terrence Davis. Got the Suns into some pickles that way. I would say even De'Aaron Fox, etc. And then late in the game, I don't even know if I can narrow it down to anything in particular. I just think they allowed the Kings to stay in the game. I mean, point blank, plain and simple. They just, they didn't close it out. And so you see Kevin Herter gets the steal. I don't know if that was a, a defensive mistake or more of an offensive mistake, allowing Herter to get the steal on the inbound from Mikhail Bridges. Um, 
but just these little plays, right? These little plays where the, the Kings were able to, to keep it to keep it close. They cut the lead to one at the three-minute mark when Sabonis had a dunk. Just plays where the, the Suns lost focus and the Kings were able to punish them. Um, some good things did happen, though, on the defensive end. The Kings only got up 25 threes. They only made nine of them. This is a team that can really, really punish you if you leave them open. Herder being 0 of 5 is really nice. Murray 1 of 1. Barnes 0 of 1. So they probably got lucky to a degree with some of that. But And then the other thing would be positively on the Suns' defense is that they, they forced 15 turnovers. And Sabonis, who I was just singing the praises of in a whole bunch of different ways, he ends up with five turnovers. So, yes, the King, uh, the, the Suns struggled. Yes, that was predictable because the Kings are a very good offensive team. And yes, the Suns still won the game in spite of all of that. So, again, it's, it's not as pretty. It's not as pristine as we might have gotten used to seeing the past couple of years while these players are out of the lineup. But a win is a win, and honestly, all in all, too, the Kings' offensive rating on the season that I just referenced, they're six, like I said, they have a 116 offensive rating, so they're scoring 116 points per possession this season. The Suns held them to a 112.6 offensive rating tonight, so yes, there are things to clean up, yes, it was a challenge, yes, there's things to learn like I just went through, but overall, the W and holding them to less than their season-long number, you got to be pretty proud of that. So the Suns keep cobbling this stuff together. Tonight was no exception. Let's get to our usual usual post-game segments. I want to get to the Benchmob Vibe Check, and I want to get to the box score oddity of the night first. Today's show, folks, brought to you as well by LinkedIn. We know we're heading into the new year. We know that can mean that hiring can be a little more difficult than normal because you want to hit the ground running in the new year. These days, every new potential hire can feel incredibly high stakes for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates to fill the jobs and hit the ground running? Well, you need to turn to LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've used LinkedIn to post jobs at my uh, Institute at ASU. We've hired student workers. We've hired postdoctoral scholars. We've hired administrative assistants. All you do is post the job, then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then use simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You'd love to finish the year strong, start next year on the right foot, and the right team member can help you do that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by My Solar Nerd. If you live in Arizona, you know folks love to come up to your door, knock, tell you, hey, we are here with free solar. We're going to install the panels. You don't have to pay anything. It's it's magic. But of course, we know magic's not real. We know solar's not free. My Solar Nerd, on the other hand, their mission is simple. Help you get the best solar system to fit your needs 
And the guys at MySolarNerd.com truly are local. They understand the nuances of going solar here in Arizona. They've been doing this for a while. They believe that an educated customer is a happy customer and that if you live in Arizona, switching to solar should mean saving money. So once you're ready, they'll put their industry knowledge to work for you by choosing the best equipment, warranties, and installers in their network. And on the back end, they will make sure that you get all of the credits and incentives that you may qualify for so that your transition to solar is as smooth and cost-effective as possible. Our listeners will get a $50 Amazon gift card when you book a no-commitment evaluation for listeners of this show and homeowners only. Visit mysolarner.com, select Locked On and How'd You Hear About Us section. Make the switch to solar on your terms. Start your research process today by visiting mysolarner.com and show Locked On some love by letting them know we sent you. Folks, going solar doesn't need to be complicated, and mysolarner.com makes it easy. Closing out with our usual post-game show segments, let's start with the bench mob vibe check, as we almost always do. We talked about Damian Lee plenty. Landry Shamit was the other big part of the bench that I think should be highlighted here. He was the first guard off the bench tonight, so it seems that he is picking up right where he left off in the rotation in terms of where he's getting minutes, how many minutes he's getting. He was second on the team in minutes on the bench in minutes played tonight with 18. He was only two of five from the field. All of his five shots came from three. I think overall, like unfortunately we have come to expect, he didn't make a big impact on the game. But worth noting that even despite the concussion protocol situation that he was in for longer than expected, and the fact that he's not having a tremendous season, Monty is still trusting in him, going to him, etc. Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, got a lot of run in the first half, made two very boneheaded decisions. Uh, I would actually say three. I believe there were two turnovers. No, it looks like only one. So I'm thinking of these two plays back to back. He had a pick and roll with Bismack Biombo where he's driving to hit, uh, Dwayne is driving to his left, looking for the pass. There's a drop-off pass to Bismack Biombo. There's a strong side corner pass to a shooter, whatever. He tried like a through the legs thing, or I don't know if it was through his legs or he's trying to nutmeg the defender. I honestly couldn't see it because there were so many bodies, which speaks to uh, the fact that it was a little bit of a peculiar call. Then on the next play, um, Washington gets the ball kind of on a ball reversal. I believe Booker ran the pick and roll, dished it back out to Dwayne Washington, who just takes a, a bomb of a three. That, that doesn't go in. And so that was kind of the unceremonious end to Washington's night. He didn't get any minutes in the second half, if I'm tracking this correctly. And I just don't think Monty trusts him in the fourth quarter. There were a couple of games there where actually Washington was opening the fourth quarter on the floor with Booker. I And I believe Payne off at least in a couple games. And it went all right. It didn't kill them. Obviously, they're on a win streak, so it didn't lose them the game. But Monty has gone away from that. Washington only got five minutes in the previous game, only nine tonight. Again, none in the second half. I just don't think in a close game that you want to win, which is all of them for this team. Uh, they don't. They're not chasing the one seed, but they're also not giving up games, as you can tell from 40, uh, 81 combined minutes from for Bridges and Booker tonight. 
I don't think Monty is comfortable having Washington with the reins of the offense in his hands in the fourth quarter of a game like that. So until he proves it by making the right decisions, being in the right places on defense, I think that we're going to continue to see this. The last thing to hit on the bench mob vibe check, the rotation outlook that we like to do here, is the, the center spot. This was another game where Biombo was inconsistent, I would say, in terms of finishing on the short roll. He had two turnovers. He, he was only two of three from the field, which, okay, you'd say in most cases 67% from the field. That's great. He's a guy where he should only really be taking shots that he's going to make. So even the one miss and the two turnovers, you could look at that as three possessions that were ruined because Biombo made a mistake, right? I mean, it's kind of blunt, but it's true. And so he was nice as a rim protector. He did have two blocks. I thought he had a, a couple of good possessions switching out onto Kings players. He was effective against Sabonis because they don't actually have that big of a size difference. So that was a good center matchup for Biombo to, to match up on. But uh, they needed something different on the offensive end, just like they did against Utah to open the fourth quarter. And so, again, for the second straight game, Jock is sitting on the bench all night, and then all of a sudden, to start the fourth quarter, he's back out there. And the, the, the stint for him was not nearly as good tonight. It was about five, six minutes against Utah where the Suns outscored the Jazz by seven during Landale's stint in the game. Tonight, it was just four minutes, and the Suns actually got outscored by two points. But I did think Landale made an impact. He did have a nice block in that stretch. He had a nice dish out to the corner for the first of Damian Lee's three triples in the fourth quarter out to the left corner on a pick and roll. So it wasn't a bad stretch. It wasn't nearly as great as the last one. But the biggest thing is Monty is experimenting with that stuff still. You know, he's still finding an opportunity cold for Landale to come in and, and try to affect the game. Ish Wainwright kind of did the same thing in the second half once again as well. So we'll keep an eye on all that. It's going to be up and down, hit or miss while these players are out of the rotation. Johnson, Crowder, Paul. But when those three get back, it'll really be interesting to focus on who stays in the rotation and, and what does it all look like? Because I'm sure Monty's going to have to kind of start from scratch in some ways. All right, box score oddity of the night. I was going back and forth on a few things. Um, and the one that I came down to was something that I think puts into perspective that this game could have been an even bigger win for the Suns. If you were watching this game, you saw how many layups the Suns missed. Uh, I want to say Booker missed a handful. I know Payne missed a handful. I can get you those specifics in uh, a second. But overall, as a team, the box score oddity of the night is that the Suns shot just 63% from the at the rim tonight. That puts them in the 38th percentile among all NBA games this year for teams. So uh, compared to every other team in every other game this year, the Suns were in the bottom half by shooting just 63%. They were 17 of 27 at the rim. So you think even if they just shoot the same amount, the same percentage as the Kings, which was 71, that's probably what, three or four more makes, and that's six to eight more points that they just gave up, you know? 
That's the difference between a five-point win and what we would probably be thinking of as more of a blowout, right? So it's interesting. It's it's interesting to think about. Um, Gavin Booker missed two at the at the rim. Payne missed four at the rim. Payne only made one shot in the paint tonight. He was one of si- seven. One of seven from the... Fr- from the field in the, in just the the paint today and then he was one of three from deep so not what you wanted to see but when you add all that up Booker missing his uh his two and Payne missing his four that's already six right and they they only missed eight or they only missed 10 of them so your two main ball handlers not getting the job done it's it's just interesting to think this was already you know a game that the Suns kind of shouldn't have let be so close by getting, you know, too many turnovers and silly mistakes and not closing out the game. Plus they missed these, these rim, these rim attempts. It was a very fun game. I'm not complaining that it was close, but I'm sure the Suns will feel like, man, we, if we had just taken, taken care of business, that fourth quarter might've been a lot easier. Bridges and Booker maybe don't have to play 40 plus minutes like they did. So something to ponder, something to keep in your back pocket as we look back on this game. But Regardless, five straight wins. The Suns will take it. They head back home against the Bulls. Another very winnable game as Chicago is very much struggling. So I will be back tomorrow with Aaron Edwards to talk about the week that was since his last visit. And then I'll have a recap of that Bulls game on Thursday for you. So hit subscribe, hit follow. Do not miss a show. And in the meantime, go make Locked On Sports today your second listen here on this Tuesday to catch up on everything else around the entire Sports Landscape, that shows on all platforms, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.